Well, the momentum of Israel that they had achieved by the miraculous crossing of the Jordan and the supernatural victory over Jericho was stopped by the defeat of Ai. Gloom and despair permeated not only those in the camp, but also even into the heart of Joshua. Achan's crime had been judged and God's favor toward Israel was restored. And he assured Joshua that he had not forsaken him or his people. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 21, we read, Do not fear or be discouraged. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8, the Lord said, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Joshua is told by God in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord granted another opportunity in chapter 8. He granted another opportunity to Joshua and to the Israelites. In Joshua in chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, we read, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, the people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. The Israelites had lost the previous battle, but they did not have to stay on the losing side. Remember, God had said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Who was the one who spoke those words to Joshua? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. Well, God has descriptive names for himself in the word. And in the book of Joshua, there are four Hebrew names that he's given himself. One is Elhai, which simply means the living God. The next is Elohim Bashamayim, which means God in heaven. The third is Elohim Kedushim, which is holy God. And the fourth is Jehovah Adon Koharetz, the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. God describes himself in everything that he is, in everything that he is a, has the ability to do. His names are his attributes, and he describes himself as being quite capable of doing what he has said. Before God revealed the plan to Joshua, he told him that the spoil of Ai and also the livestock could be taken by Israel. What an irony. If Achan had only suppressed his greedy and selfish desires and obeyed God's word at Jericho, he would have later had all his heart ever desired. The path of obedience and faith is always best. Charles Stanley said this, your biggest weakness is God's greatest opportunity. We often do not look at life this way. The Lord granted Joshua a new opportunity, and he grants us many new opportunities also. The Lord was painting a picture for us that we are not to be overcome with the spirit of defeatism, frustration, or despondency. Jesus wants us to face life with him. 
He does not expect us to fight life's battles alone. And aren't you thankful for that? He wants us to know that he will be there with us. We may run at the sign of a battle. He does not. The amazing thing about it, for those moments when we do run, he's always waiting for us to return. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11 through 13 tells us, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Isn't it great to know that the Lord will give you another opportunity? Alexander White said this, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. Wow. Not one new beginning, but a series of new beginnings. Jesus offers the one who has never experienced his love a new opportunity to be one of his children. And Christ's followers continued new opportunities to follow him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27 and 29. Let's read that together today. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Instead of asking the Lord to change your circumstances, ask the Lord to fill the void with his strength. That song that states, his strength is perfect when our strength is gone, really does apply. Theodore Epps said, don't let the failures of the past paralyze your present. Each of us in this auditorium today have hurts. There are different things that have taken place in the past, and the hurts are there, and they're real. And some of those hurts continue to just continue to come back. You may have a smile on your face, but the heart hurts. You may be trying to move on, but the hurt is there, and it is a real hurt. And I want to thank God that he does care for us. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7 says, The Lord is good. He is a stronghold in any time of trouble, and He does care, and He knows those who trust in Him. We all have hurts. We all have various hang-ups, each of us. In fact, sometimes people that know us best know some of those hang-ups. And we all have habits. Some of those habits are good, and some of those habits are not so good. And let's understand something, that the person next to you, you may see as being perfect, but they would admit they're really not. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23 through 24, the word tells us, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. According to a quote by Henry Ford, Mistakes are an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Imagine Henry Ford working on the car. 
It's amazing what took place, right? He took all the parts that he could find, threw them in the air, they fell down and turned into a car. That's not what happened, was it? A lot of mistakes along the way, and he decided to learn from his mistakes. To not see them as something that would pull him down, to see them as something that would be another opportunity for another chance. We all make mistakes. We all sin. Embrace forgiveness from Christ and enjoy the opportunity to begin again. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22 and 23, we're told, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank God that His mercies are new every morning. So much better than a mulligan in golf. It is another opportunity to please the one who loves us more than we will ever be able to comprehend. Another opportunity by faith to trust Jesus Christ. No matter what your hurts, your hang-ups, or your habits are, God never discourages His people from making progress. It's stated by Warren Wiersbe. Never discourages us from making progress. The Lord granted Joshua and the Israelites another opportunity, and He grants us another opportunity to accept His free gift of eternal life and another opportunity to live for Him. It is a trust relationship. He is willing. Are you willing? Not only did the Lord grant another opportunity, but the Lord gave a new plan. And in Joshua chapter 8, verse 7 and 8, we read the following. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be, when you have taken the city, that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do. See, I have commanded you. The battle plan for Ai was much different from that of Jericho. At Jericho, the Israelites marched around the walls of the city seven times, and then the walls miraculously fell down. At Ai, the Israelites would have to conquer the city through normal combat operations. The Lord did not need all of the soldiers to win the battle. He chose to win the battle through all of the soldiers. The Lord has done some amazing things, and throughout His Word, battles have been won in various ways. Remember Israel crossing, the, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea? They got to the Red Sea. Egyptians are starting to pursue them. They're scared. They're blaming Moses for bringing them out of Egypt in the first place. God tells Moses, listen, I'm going to fight for you. Just put your staff in the water. And the Red Sea parted. The people were able to walk over on dry ground. But God did something other else amazing. He put a pillar of fire in front of them so they could see clearly. And he put darkness behind them as a means of also confusing the Egyptians. And on that day, the Lord won the victory just as he had promised. Gideon? Gideon was hiding, threshing wheat. And God appeared to Gideon, and, and God said, Gideon, O man of valor. And Gideon was thinking, me? Lord, I'm hiding. I'm afraid. I don't want to fight any battle. And he reminded him, O man of valor. And God told him to assemble the troops. He had 32,000 soldiers. The Midianites had 120,000. And God said, Gideon, you have too many men. And through a period of elimination, a process of elimination, it went down to 300 men. And God said, all right, you have 300, 
that's the right number. And the victory was won. David was less than six feet tall. Goliath was more than nine feet tall. David went to do battle against Goliath, and David said, the Lord will deliver Goliath into my hands. And he did. Peter was in prison, chained in between prison guards. The Lord broke the chains. He opened the prison doors, and he led Peter to safety. Jesus conquered sin and death. The Lord is not stereotyped in the way he accomplishes his plans. He gave them a new plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 6. Let's read that together, please. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The Lord gave a new plan to Joshua, and the battle plan would consist of three contingents of soldiers. The first contingent consisted of 30,000 valiant warriors who were sent out at night to hide behind the city of Ai. And their responsibility was rush into the city and burn it after the defenders had deserted the city to pursue Joshua and his army. The second contingent of soldiers consisted of the main army, which was with Joshua. And they'd walked 15 miles set up camp in front of the city of Ai so they could be seen. This group was a diversionary force and was to be a decoy to the defenders of Ai. The third contingent was a group of men made up to simply ambush. They consisted of 5,000 soldiers. They positioned themselves between Ai and Bethel to cut off the possibility of reinforcements for Ai and to assist with the battle. Three groups of soldiers. The plan worked to perfection. Defenders left Ai to pursue Joshua and his men. They ran as if they had been defeated. God had told Joshua, listen, Joshua, you're going to be camped out in front of Ai. When they start to pursue you, they're going to think you're scared. You're, they're going to think you're in fear. And so just run. And as you're running, they will continue to pursue you. And when that took place... Joshua signaled the other troops to go into the city and to set it on fire. And we're told in Joshua chapter 8, verse 18, that God had let Joshua know, listen, when they are pursuing you, when it's time, raise your spear up in the air. And Joshua did. Now, the amazing thing about it was Joshua kept his spear up in the air until the battle was finished. He didn't use it to fight with. He just used it to hold up. And I believe Joshua is declaring... I'm going to trust what the Lord is doing. I'm going to trust that God is going to grant the victory. And he did on that day. The defenders from Ai saw smoke rising to the sky from the city. And before they could gather their senses, they were caught between the Israelite forces and they were all destroyed. On that day, all the soldiers of Ai, all the inhabitants of the city were destroyed. The city was plundered as God had told them and made into a heap of ruins. Even the king of Ai was not spared. Norman Geisler wrote this, the battle that the Israelites were confronted with was not simply a religious war, it was a theocratic war. Israel was directly ruled by God. They had no earthly king at this time, 
and the extermination was God's direct command. After the defeat of Ai the first time, Israel was given another chance to follow the Lord's plan, and they won a great victory. Many failures in the life of a believer do not signal the end of usefulness for God. The Lord has a plan for your life. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for destruction. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Let's always be reminded, God wants to breathe hope into our lives. He doesn't want us to be cast down. He is always looking for ways to build us up. We sometimes forget that Joshua is just a regular man. Joshua had struggles too. Joshua had hurts. Remember they had just been defeated at Ai? Joshua had had hang-ups. Joshua had some various habits. God used Joshua in an incredible way. The Lord guided them into celebrating success in a better way. Joshua chapter 8, verse 30 through 32, we read this. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man has wielded an iron tool, and they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed priest offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. After the victory of Ai, Joshua did something militarily strange and seemingly foolish. Instead of conquering all the land around there, instead of securing the land and building up strongholds, he led the people on a spiritual journey. Joshua led the people on a 30-mile hike to a place where they would worship the Lord, and from either peak, they would be able to see much of the promised land. We have a picture of of those two peaks. One is Mount Gerizim and the other is, is Mount Ebal. And Joshua is told, listen, I want, you, I want you to have on one slope some of the, so many of the people and the tribes, on the other slope of Mount Ebal, the same. And this is what took place. The worship involved three points of action. First of all, an altar was built from uncut stones. Why would God say use uncut stones? Why not make it into something of, of beauty. Well, they were not to admire their craftsmanship. Can you imagine them building the altar and everyone working together? And it's just, it's something gorgeous. And they think, look at how the, the stones are just fitted just right. Look at our skill. They were to be reminded of what the Lord had done, not what they were doing or had done. They weren't to be amazed by their skill. It wasn't to be a monument for their success, where they could simply look and say, we won the victory. It was an altar in honor of what the Lord had done. And on that altar, they are instructed to have burnt offerings, fellowship offerings. And Israel was declaring her faith in the one true God. They were being reminded of the fact that the Lord said, I am the Lord, your God, and there is no other God before me. Then Joshua set up some large stones, and the law of Moses was inscribed. Some Bible scholars believe that they put the Ten Commandments on those stones. 
Other Bible scholars believe that Deuteronomy chapter 5 through 26 was inscribed on those stones. For the believer today, God's word is written not on stones, but on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2, we read, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. The law written on stones was external and not internal. It could instruct the people, but not really change or truly convert the people. The Lord's desire is to transform us from the inside out. His word taking root inwardly. We may think we are changing, but I believe the ones around us know us best. Listen, I could think that God is transforming me miraculously. My wife would know best. I may think that God is making all these incredible changes in my life. My daughter would be able to tell you better. I may think that God is really starting to, to work in a way that I haven't seen him work, changing my heart. People who know me best would know the reality. God wants to perform those transformational processes in our lives. The Lord gives us and grants those opportunities. He gives the plan. We all have the plan here today. Now I understand, sometimes we're just not sure. There's a lot of situations you can't turn in your Bible and just automatically think it's going to apply so straightforward. But God has his principles for us. God instructs us. Well, Joshua read the law to the people. Half of the people were on the slopes of Mount Gerizim, and the other half of the people were on the slopes of Mount Ebal. The Ark of the Covenant was surrounded by the priests, and it was in, they were in the valley between them. And the Bible says, as the curses of the law were read, the people on Mount Ebal said, Amen. They were just agreeing with God. And as the blessing of the law was read, the people on Mount Gerizim were agreeing and saying, Amen. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, let's read this together. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Another way of saying that is this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He is the one who is doing it. He is the one who is able to equip us. Joshua was facing a war. He was facing battles. In fact, as the book of Joshua continues, there were other battles to fight. Joshua was experiencing those physical battles. But Joshua is also experiencing battles of the heart and of the mind. Remembering the defeat of Ai and men, remembering some missteps, remembering some things maybe he should have said or would have said or could have said. Joshua had a war going on with his mind and with his heart. And each of us have those battles taking place also. We have a battle for our mind. We have a battle for our heart. We have battles that are taking place in our lives with relationships, at our jobs, with our businesses, 
just in our own self, there's a war raging. And there's also a war raging for the souls of men. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. Satan's battle plan would be to keep everyone out of heaven. Jesus' battle plan, he said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. God's word tells us that it's not his will that any man should perish, but all should come to repentance. There is a war taking place. And trust me, Joshua had a lot of work to do with some of the battles he fought. He was the one in charge. He was the one leading the way. He had to encourage. He had to instruct. He had to help. He was up at night talking to God when the other soldiers were sleeping, probably. Joshua had a lot of work to do. And God was doing a lot of work in Joshua's life in the process. Remember what God was telling him? Don't be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. And in our lives, there's a lot of work that has to be done. There are some things that you and I can do to make a difference in our life spiritually, and there are other things we can't do. God wants us to be actively engaged in what's taking place in our life. He desires that. But let's always be reminded, being confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Al Finney trying to transform himself on his own will never be enough. God wants to have that active part in our life. But remember, there's a war going on for the souls of men. And no matter how much work somebody will do to achieve favor with God, It'll never be enough on their own. People all over the world today are trying to please their God or the living God by what they say, by what they do, by where they go, by who they help, by what they give, and it will never be enough. What does God tell us about our sin? We've all sinned and we've come short of his glorious standard. It'll never be enough on our own. And so Jesus Christ went to the cross and he completed the work so that you and I who should die should never die. He went for the one who had sinned, him being the one who had never sinned, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, Joshua experienced the war, the battle. He experienced the work he had to do and he got to see the work that God was doing. And God brought Joshua to a place of worship. God brought them to that place of uncut stones where they could be reminded of what God had done. There is nothing beautiful there that they could look upon of what I've accomplished, but being reminded of what God had accomplished. And for our lives today, I believe God wants us to bring us to places of uncut stones where we're able to see, God, I'm able to see of what you've done. There are times in my life when I'm not quite sure, but God, thank you so much. And sometimes, let's face it, worship is on the run. If you're a first responder, you can't take a moment and, and while the fire is blazing or where the criminal needs apprehended or when the person needs medical assistance to simply have a moment and just talk to God. You're talking to God on the run and you may be thanking God for his goodness, 
for his grace, thanking him for who he is, and after it takes place, being able to thank him and realize God has, has been there to help you. It's worshiping God on the run and taking those moments in our life to, to worship him when no one's around. Opportunities, plans, successes. In the military, ops is referred to as just military operations. And I believe that the Lord wants to do ops in all of our lives. He wants to perform his surgery. He wants to perform the operation that will, will cut into our, our life and will help us. His word tells us that his word is like a double-edged sword. God's desire is not to cut to wound. God's desire is to cut to heal. God wants to perform that surgery in your life and in my life. God wants to bring about a mending. God wants to bring upon about a healing. God wants to do that for all of us. His divine surgery. We sang a song, Blessed Be Your Name, today. It's written by Matt Redman. Many of his songs are, I believe they're powerful. I believe God is using them. But I believe it's not just because of Matt Redman's talent. I believe it's because as Matt Redman was growing up, he lived a life that nobody in this room would want to live. And as a young teenager, he gave his life to Christ. And Jesus Christ started to put pieces of his life back together. That song says, you give and take away, you give and take away, but my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. And that was something Matt Redman was able to experience. Ed Heinsen tells a story about a man who told him that God did not seem to work. Bill said that Christianity really wasn't what it was supposed to be. He said that if he went all the way with God, it was going to cost him too much. And Ed Heinsen said, Bill, if you don't go all the way with God, it's going to cost you. Time went on, and finally one day, the man went to see him and said, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to go all the way with God. I encourage you today that if you're here, and if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never received his forgiveness, you've never experienced his unconditional love, I encourage you today to take a step of faith and join. I encourage you to invite Jesus Christ into your life. I also encourage you today, if you're here, and maybe those battles seem to be raging, maybe it seems like you take one step forward and, and one step back, remember the Lord is granting new opportunities. A just man falls seven times and he's able to get back up again. Not because of his strength, but because of the Lord's strength. And let me say this. Sometimes when we think of success, we think of those bright moments when everything went just right. God has done everything he expected us or expected him to do. Everything has turned out just wonderful. I believe this. I believe that oftentimes success in a Christian life 
is when the battle is raging and seemingly is lost, there's a peace that passes all understanding. I believe that during those moments when it seems like things could be so much better, we are at a place of rest. That's success. Jesus said, come unto me, all you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Also, that avenue of trust. Remember Job said, yet though he slay me, I will trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Being able to trust the Lord in difficult moments, that's success. Let's all stay in place. If you're here today and if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I invite you to take a faith step in His direction, transferring your trust from what you're able to do to what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. I invite you to receive His gift of eternal life today. You may want to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know I have sinned. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Savior. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. And Jesus, help me to live for you from now on. You may be here today and you may just need to take a faith step today. Or maybe you just need to realize there have been some successes in your life that you weren't able to see. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. And he'll always be here for you. Dear Jesus, we just ask that you'd help us. Thank you, dear Jesus, that you are the God of all creation. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice